So, is this we on? Fin- we're sp- Where yeah, are we going? This is it. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter fourteen. You going to give us a little summary, um, like you usually do? Yeah, I, I'm afraid to. I, he wasn't lit. I might say something uh, that disagrees with what Sean preached on Sunday. What did you disagree with? Uh, Speci- isn't that usually the first small group question? Uh, w- anything w- you disagree anything with? Anything you disagree with, with <laughs> from what was preached on Sunday? That's why my my small the small group I'm in is always just woefully silent at that point. <laughs> Next question. Uh, Let's, move Let's move on. They're all texting each Star other. Wars movie. That was one of the questions last week. That's what true. was the last question? Star, last week? Star Wars. Favorite, favorite Star, Star Wars, Wars movie. movie. Yep. Oh. Yeah, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, Paul giving some instructions for how corporate worship is supposed to be yep. ordered in the church. Um, I find it ironic that we have no questions. We got no got questions on this well, week. I was on so clear. I was convinced the there'd women be plenty and, of questions. Yeah. And you answered them all. Yeah. The miraculous I answered them gifts, all. Look at you. And you did not get any questions. No questions. You I, have done something that no one else has been able to do. Here's my joke. I uh, coming in here that uh, I get more questions when I speak on like church structure than we got this week. That's when I rile people up when I talk about structure and organization. But you did use the word orderly several times. Orderly, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit of structure there. Yeah. So, so I, so that's it, guys. Small that's group. Th- no, actually, um, here's what we're gonna do. Um, you know, Pastor Joey and I have talked about this a lot, and um, and he's got some uh, some good insights uh, into the culture of the day, which I probably didn't. Well, I didn't really spend any time on. Uh, part of it was time's sake, uh, but part of it is, is study's sake. I think this is something Pastor Joey studied that you know, he's ma- he made me aware of, and it had to do with maybe the influence. So we already know that Corinth is being influenced by the culture around them. That's why, you know, that's what we talked about in, in Chapter 11 with the head coverings and some outside culture. Um, and, and I really think Chapter 12 is probably the beginning of this, and then 13 is the beautiful chapter on love, and Paul reminded his church to love one another as we've been loved in Christ, and um, and just the outside culture there in the temple worship around Corinth, there was um, supposed gifting in these temples, false worships that were, that um, it's quite possible the church of Corinth was adopting and bringing into their their corporate setting, as was happening with other subjects as well, whether it be dress or haircuts or, you know, other things, they were heavily influenced by the culture around them. So why don't you speak into that? That's you answered it just then. Well, the, there you go. No, I, so I think some of it gets back to what is our approach as we're seeking to interpret a passage of Scripture faithfully. And so you started giving us some of those river riverbanks throughout your sermon on Sunday, which were really helpful. Um, and so um, one of those issues is authorial intent. And so when the Apostle Paul wrote, excuse me, when the Apostle Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, what was his aim? What was his motive? And um, and a lot of that was dictated by the culture that he was writing to. And so he knows the church at Corinth, right? He was one of the uh, founders. He, he brought the gospel to the church of Corinth. And so he knows what they're struggling with. He knows what they're just neck deep in, maybe not even being repentive about at the moment. And he's looking to write to them specifically about certain issues. And so, um, and we, we've been hitting on that throughout the series uh, on, on 1 Corinthians. And so 
uh, we see that sexual immorality is all over this local church, um, so much so that uh, there's a guy sleeping with his dad's wife that Paul tells, uh, instructs to, he, this This can't be tolerated in here. And uh, and so we, we see this wickedness that uh, is uh, all over Corinth as the city. And the church is, is uh, the gospel's going out, there's freedom in Christ. There may even be this rebellion against what they're identifying as legalism. And so in the middle of all these freedoms or this liberty, it's this distortion of freedom, this distortion of liberty, immoralities being tolerated. Um, and so we're, so that's been this theme, right? Unity through union with Christ underneath the banner of the gospel that brings us together in the midst of our diversity. But we get to chapters 11 through 14, um, and you kind of introduced it by this is where the Apostle Paul is beginning to talk specifically about how corporate worship for this local church should look. And um, and so he's writing this specific local church in a specific culture on how corporate worship should look. Um, and uh, and what has become evident to us is things don't look great. Um, th- things aren't going well in the corporate worship setting for the Church of Corinth, and they need to be instructed by um, the Apostle Paul. And so the Apostle Paul would... Chapter 11, we see him uh, instructing women in regards to head coverings, right? And so uh, the, the, the head covering piece was, um, or the removal of the head covering for the woman really was to rebel in uh, the way that God um, assigned gender roles, assigned the, the function of the husband and wife relationship, the man and woman relationship inside the corporate body of believers. And so it was a, uh, a physical representation of a heart that was in rebellion to God. And so Paul's using that very tangible, put your head covering back on, as a means by which to shock their conscience, to call them uh, to look to Christ and repent of their rebellion. Uh, chapter 12, we see um, some spiritual gifts are being valued above above other spiritual gifts, which is also a theme in chapter 14 as well. And the Apostle Paul um, is uh, calling for unity through um, uh, uh, the believer's union with Christ. I preached that on, on verse 12 of chapter 12. And, and so he, he's calling them to um, uh, diversity. He's calling diversity a strength in the body of Christ and how the diversity, our various gifts that God's given us, really work to promote the gospel further and, and do the things that the local church is called to do. Thirteen, we have this theme of love that we certainly hear at weddings all the time, but uh, love, really, if we're taking all of the book of 1 Corinthians in its context, it's twisted in that local church. Right? They They've toppled love on its head and maybe even equate it to sex. Like they could be equating love to sex and then uh, and then there's dysfunction and they're at odds with one another because they're valuing other gifts uh, above the rest. And, and Paul gives this very comprehensive definition of love and you directed our attention to only Christ keeps this perfectly. Therefore, uh, we need Christ. And when Christ is in us, we have the capacity to love in this way. And then we get to chapter 14, uh, and we're seeing uh, dis- disruptions in, in the corporate worship um, service in regards to 
this issue of tongues and which is and what prophecy you, and, and prophecy and then the women and, and how the women are yeah interacting. absolutely and and one of the things that I've seen as I, I've studied that passage is uh, not unlike the other things we see in the other chapters, which is the the broader pagan culture of Corinth is influencing the church of Corinth. And so they began to import some of these pagan worship practices into their corporate worship service, and they call it spiritual, um, which is blasphemous in nature. And, and so hence the tone, the the rebuke that the Apostle Paul has given to this church. And so you really do have this, um, and I, I was encouraged when you pointed us back to Acts, the clear passages interpreting the unclear passages. When you s- see um, the gift of tongues in Acts, and there's two other instances that we have historical accounts where this gift was um, uh, exercised, and we see them as languages. We see them as as uh, the gospel being heralded and as people hearing the gospel in their own language, even if the person speaking it doesn't speak the language that they speak. Um, and so there's this, maybe even this dampening of um, that th- these pagan practices are putting over they're casting a shadow over the true gift of tongues um that we see in the book of acts and they're calling it spiritual and they're detracting from uh the primary functions of the church that you highlighted on Sunday morning and so uh and so what i see is is paul really guarding the gate theologically um pr- seeking to protect this church from wolves and protect this church from pagan practices and even lead them kind of out of this blasphemous approach that they have to a very sacred day the lord's day that's meant to be set aside to glorify god for the the word of god to be preached uh so that the church may be edified and lost people can come to faith in christ and so that's what the Apostle Paul's trying to protect, and, and Corinth has this huge blind spot because they're drinking their iniquity down like it's water. And so uh, and so, so I think context, historical context, is crucial to that passage because we may very well be encouraging and edifying the very thing that the Apostle Paul is rebuking, um, which is, is some of what you were talking about, uh, alluding to on Sunday morning. And so when we take when we cherry-pick certain passages out of Scripture, uh, and you talk about plain reading of the text, and I think you, it was great when you said plain reading of the text, 1 Corinthians 11, plain reading of the text, when Jesus says, gouge your right eye out, that would lead us all to, all the women should be wearing head coverings and everybody else should be the cutting off hands blind, and right. we should all be blind. And so it, it can't be just that. we we got to get to authorial intent, not just plain reading of Scripture. And if we're not doing that, if we're just cherry-picking passages and doing quote-unquote plain reading of the text, I'm concerned that we may be edifying the very thing that Paul is trying to uh, rebuke and course-correct for the church at Corinth. And and if we don't get that, we'll fall into the same trap that the church of Corinth was in. Um, and we have uh, more reason not to than the church of Corinth because we have the completed canon of Scripture. And so... Uh, Corinth canon of scripture still open they're being instructed we have the complete full canon of scripture and uh, we have more truth really than any generation previous and um, and so 
if if we're not careful to examine um, cultural context, motive, intent of the author, all of that stuff, we could run the risk of commending. Yeah, I think you, I think you see that continuing when when Paul's apostleship comes under attack and in letter two, which you know maybe yeah. maybe we should address maybe next year or something. As I'm just talking, thinking out loud. I always say talking out loud. Joey and I have been serving together for over ten years. He just pointed that out that I say well, that all the time. I thought for the Not first nine I was like for the first nine years maybe, maybe he was just it. mistaken, but then you realize it's year ten. I'm you're like, busy he thinks that, other things. But you did yeah, under- yeah, yeah, that's true. You you understood author's intent. Author's intent was to say thinking out loud. Yeah. So it was fun to watch though. <laughs> but I mean you see Paul's authorship under attack for some of the same reasons, you know, this this glorifying of the supernatural. Um and, you know, for me and for Coastal, this, uh, and we'll, we'll see this in the next two weeks as we unpack chapter 15, I mean, the the, the greatest supernatural is the resurrection of Christ. We've, yeah. we, we have really all that we need, and that's not to say God doesn't move and we can't pray and ask God to intervene in particular situations, and I've done that and hope for that, but... But we're not heavenly-minded enough. Our greatest need has already been taken care of through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and all healing will be done in heaven, no doubt about it, you know. And we have to constantly be reminded that this life is a vapor, you know, and and eternity is forever and ever 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 and ever, and Christ has taken care of that through the resurrection. And, we're you know, as I was piecing together my sermon in a couple weeks on the new body, the glorified body, like the... The new body is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. It's going to last for all eternity. There's not going to be any aches and pains for all eternity. And so, you know, one of the things I actually I didn't say in the sermon, just some of it was time, and I didn't feel the need to address it, but, you know, one of the, I think, one of my um, challenges to the charismatic church would be the importing too much of the, so that you have the now and the not yet of the kingdom, is the kingdom of God now? Yes. Is it not yet? Yes. It's not fully come. Our faith has not become sight yet. And so sometimes I think the charismatic church takes too much of the not yet and imports it into the now and promises it now. Um, and and so then we hope for all these blessings that we're supposed to, that we will receive. Again, it's not being heavenly minded, but our hope is, man, I'm going to get them within the next couple weeks or months or years. And, and, um, we don't know. We just don't know. You know, can we be blessed material for following Christ? Of course we can. But I mean, that's the beauty of Hebrews eleven, the Hall of Faith. I mean, he, the author lists all the people that had these material blessings for following God, and then the ones that were sawn in two for following God. Like you don't know what your life is going to be. What you do know is, no matter what it's going to be, it can be used for the glory of God and for the furthering of the gospel. So. I feel like you want to talk about eschatology. Should mm. we move into no, or save that for another time? Yeah. So here's here's a question I have for you. The press pause. That's always dangerous. So what do you think it is in us about us, the church, that we we are discontent with the scripture? Um. 
like we're always we think we have to have something more, right? So I gotta have a word from the Lord, or I need God to. We talk about knowing God's will. I just need God to say something, or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. There's books that are written out of a discontent from. Uh, I needed more than. Scripture. Well, I think you just answered your question in the question. No, no, I'm saying what? Why? What? What is it that call, that's? Why is that so rampant? For me, I think the answer is found in what I just said. I think. I just went listening well enough. No, I'll just repeat it. No, well, you your question you answered your own question. We're discontent with scripture, so we want more. But I think it's a lack of belief in the gospel and its promises that we're going to an eternal home that's going to be amazing. So if we're called to suffer, it's just a lifetime. You know, it really, and, and, and I think we'll look back at some point and go, oh my goodness, that was such a short amount of time of my existence of eternity. And and so it's a l- little bit of a discontent of the promises of Christ to us uh, and the hope of eternity. Um, and then coupling that with that really God's word is sufficient. And, you know, I, I hope I didn't irritate anybody. I wasn't trying to irritate anybody necessarily with this thing, but it happens to me so frequently with a new movie, a new Christian movie, and people run up to me every time there's a new movie out, and they're, somehow their hope was encouraged by this movie, and I'm not trying to squash that necessarily, but usually... You know, I can squash it real quick. Yeah, well, the, you know, the I mean... The kid who <clears throat> talked about that came out that it was a hoax. Yeah, that did you know that? Yes, I just felt like we didn't need to say that on that. And, and, and so, I'm, so, number one, that makes me skeptical. Every time there's a movie out, I went to heaven, I saw heaven, whatever. And then number two, it's... Christ already promised that to me. That was sufficient. Like, I'm... If, you, if we as believers would take time to meditate on that truth and think about the ramifications of that truth and let that let that truth touch my physical pain when I'm in physical pain touch my marriage when it's going through a hard season touch my singleness when I man I'm you know especially if you're single and maybe longing to share your life with someone like the truth that heaven is real and it's going to be forever and it's going to be amazing touches all of that. And so it changes my mind, which we talked about this past week, be transformed by the renewing of my mind, setting my mind on the things of eternity. And then I don't need a new word from the Lord. I already have it. He's already been, he's already given it to me. And then, and then the hopes of eternity does touch everything. It touches everything, you know? And, and, and so, you know, one of the reasons I think the gospel is spreading so quickly in third world countries is because they already know this life has nothing for them. So when we sit here and sing the song, this world has nothing for me, man, I, sometimes when I'm singing that, I'm like, I have to, do I, is that true? <laughs> but in a third world country, they already know that. You know, they're just trying to survive day to day. So the gospel's spreading like wildfire. Why? Because there's the hope of glory, you know? Yeah, they they get up every day and realize their life's a vapor because that day is going to be a struggle to make ends meet, and so um, we're just not heavenly minded enough. I don't know that I'm heavenly minded enough, you know. And so I'm challenging myself too. So I got you talking about eschatology, eschatology a little bit more. You see how I did that? You pull you you yeah. Final question. Is that Hansel and Gretel that do the breadcrumbs? That's right. That's what I do. That's what I do. Final question. Yeah. Are those new shoes? <laughs> you look good. You so, look good. Uh, so to give a description, these are my wife hates these shoes. I get yeah. my tennis. Shoes. I get it. 
I was saying they look good, ugly. but I'm with your wife. Yeah. The, they're, they're pink and black. Well, they're bla- it's a black running shoe with a white back. I don't really like the white back. It's real white. Yeah, yeah. it's real white. Um, and and then hot pink. And then hot pink on a all black tennis which shoe. Which shows your tan off well. Yeah, well, I'm not wearing shorts, but I, yeah, well, I your, wore them today because it's pouring down and rain, and I knew I'd probably be running in from the parking lot, and so I didn't want to wear dress shoes. I wanted function to, over fashion. It was function. Function over fashion. Uh, and, and then the way I buy so running shoes. So you say, shoes, hey, it's raining. Uh, heck with the rain boots. I'll wear tennis shoes. I don't even own rain boots. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I said. All right. And then, and so the second piece is when I buy running shoes, I just go to Ross, and I go to the section it Shout fits me Ross. and i is that the women's section because yeah. that's a hot pink i'm trying to reiterate that it's hot pink, hot uh, pink. and and the there were two pairs to choose from in my size and in my price range i think i, I saw uh flojo wear those yeah. in the olympics and so i sent the picture of the other pair that i thought was uglier to jen and she said they're terrible and so i came home with these and she she said comment. less terrible. she didn't comment yeah less terrible which it meant i knew she hated them that's how I buy shoes. Very nice. I wear one generally wear one pair of shoes till I wear them out. I now have you got three that I you have circulate? three or four yeah. now that I wear coastal, yep. which yep. is unusual you got some for me. Sparies. I have some spares. Topsiders, uh, the blue jean looking ones, mm-hmm. the Timberlands yep. I just bought. You got the Timberlands and the boots that I wear. Yep. which is unusual. I in, in your fifteen pants, years I've worn pants. one pair of shoes till they wear out. You got then a couple I get of nice pair. pairs of pants. Those khakis that you wear yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I wear those, people ask me if I lost weight. Which I'm like, no, I'm heavier than I've ever been, but those they're slim. They fit me. You shopped you stopped uh shopping at the big and tall. In the big and tall. I'm, I'm sure the small group here. leaders love this. I'm leaving all this in. These here. are busy, busy people. These are busy, busy people. That's it. I felt like that was they're an important serving the Lord issue to address. Yeah. <clears throat> so thanks, man. Thanks. For, thank you for sitting down and <laughs> plodding through all these questions with us from yeah. the Sunday sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. It was a great all right. sermon. Until next week. Until next week. Thank you, small group leaders.